Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Anthony Joshua to my Tyson Fury. It's Justin Peach. Hello, Ryan. Justin, how's it going? Yeah, not bad. Pretty tired after a, a Sunday morning stint at football, but yeah, good. How, how did you do this morning? We lost 1-0, so let's, let's move on. Embarrassing. <laughs> on the show today is Tom Phillips from the Cardiff Podcast, View from the Ninian. Tom, how, are you well? I've been better, but I can't complain too much. Yeah, not bad. Appreciate you coming on. Also with us is Omar Renane from That Millwall Podcast. Omar, how the devil are you? Fantastic after our result yesterday. Yeah, two very happy fans on the second tier <laughs> podcast today. Uh, look ahead to the show. We've got um, all the games, obviously, and we've got who knows wins. We've got the news, including some interesting news about the standard of refereeing in the championship, which I'm sure everyone has got a say on in some way or another. And we've also got Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight right at the end. But we'll start off with the South Wales derby between Cardiff and Swansea. It finished 2-0 to the Swans after a masterclass from Jamal Lowe. More on him in a sec. But for you, Tom, as a Cardiff fan, you went to this game after four straight wins. So you must have been very disappointed with this result. Yeah, definitely. It's just a manner of it. You know, got our hopes up. Four wins on the bounce. We thought finally going to the South Wales Derby with a bit of form. And then that happened. Or didn't happen. Just nothing happened for us. Like just from the outset, we concede early. It's terrible defending. The mistakes we thought we got rid of have come back into our game again. Then the refereeing was bad. We've had injuries and sending offs. Apart from that, it was all right. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's just, oh, just the manner of it all was just awful, awful, awful. Yeah, I think everything that could have gone wrong for Cardiff did go wrong, really, didn't it? Apart from Kiefer Moore's shot at the start of the second half, I don't really remember Cardiff troubling Freddie Woodman in the Swansea goal too much. And speaking of Big Keith, he went off injured after seemingly pulling his hamstring when trying to do a back heel which is a new one. We don't know yet how long he'll be out for, but how much of a miss will he be if he were to miss any games? Oh, it's massive. Um, but I'm just not surprised. He's played so much football um, for club and country as well. He's absolutely run himself into the ground. Um, it's quite impressive, that back heel. He managed to back heel it into the ground over the bar. I don't think I've ever seen that before. He, he continues to surprise me. But, um, um, yeah, he's a huge loss. He's integral to everything that we do well. Um, you know, Glatzel has been crying out for a chance to come into the team. He thinks he, he deserves a bit of a run and now's his chance to shine, to be honest. But, um, no, nah, you can't disguise it. Like, more, losing more is massive. And it doesn't look like it's going to be a short one, really. If it's a proper hamstring injury, we're not going to see him for a couple of months. So, uh, it's just an awful day. I... I I'm glad you asked me before the game to come on to this and not after. <laughs> <laughs> As am I. Uh, you mentioned Kiefer Moore's played a lot of games recently. This was the, I think, fifth time Car- uh, Neil Harris has named the same lineup for a game, which shows, well, it's not surprising really that players are picking up injuries, I suppose. Uh, but Justin Jamal Lowe, what a game the boy had. The second goal was very Adele Trapped esque, but he's had some stick recently from the Swansea fans, hasn't he? What a way to silence the critics. Definitely. He's, he's a player that we rate incredibly highly, you know, and um, the stick for me is, is unwarranted because he's not a striker. Um, and in the game yesterday, he turned up for the big occasion. It was a menace for Swansea all game. And when he's confident, for me, he's one of the most dangerous attackers in, in the division. You know, he's got that ability. He showed it at Portsmouth. He showed it at Wigan at the back end of last season um, and in this game against Cardiff, obviously. Um, so, yeah, Jamal Lowe for me, he's, he's not he's not an out-and-out number nine, but I think he fits that role really well. He just needs to play with an out-and-out number nine and I think he'll get the best out of him. 
Yeah, and that's something that is high on Swansea's shopping list in January, isn't it? A couple of weeks ago, the championship table was looking very tight with four points separating the top 10 teams. But it suddenly opened up to six points separating the top six. And Swansea are keeping pace with the teams at the top, aren't they? I think they're genuine automatic promotion contenders this just in. Do you? Yeah, um, I think I've said it almost weekly. They seem to they seem to get a, they, when they get a win, they keep a clean sheet. So um, conceding early yesterday for Cardiff was you're almost signing your 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 death warrant in terms of a loss. It was it was always going to be hard for them to get back into it. So yeah, defensively they look good. They're clinical. Um, they just need to. You'd, you'd argue they need to score more, but I don't think they need to score more. They're they're, they're ruthlessly um, efficient when they're defending. So yeah, definitely contenders. For you, Tom, that run of form you went on has seen Cardiff back into the top half. And despite the loss on Saturday, I'm guessing you think the playoffs is a real possibility this season? Yeah, it's definitely a real possibility. Because um, the pressure was really on Harris before. And to be honest, he hasn't done himself a great deal. Oh, you, the problem is our fans now are really going to be straight back on his back. <laughs> uh, it's just, just you're gonna, if you're going to win four games in five, make sure one of them Swansea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, playoffs are a real possibility. But without more up top, it's going to be interesting to see how we re- uh, how we react. We're still not getting the best out of Harry Wilson. We're not playing to his strengths at all. Um, I think like sixth is our level though. Like we're we're not we're not in that automatic promotion candidate category, which pains me to say. But Swansea are, which I didn't see coming beginning of the season. But you know, four wins in five is brilliant. Wins away at Stoke and Watford. You can't really complain too much about that. It's just how we react after yesterday now. We've got Birmingham on Wednesday night, which should be a game we're looking to win at home. So hopefully, in a few weeks' time, we're, we're in the playoffs, or if not, really in touch and distance. Absolutely. Middlesbrough 3, Millwall nil. Duncan Watmore scoring two again for Borough and gave them a much-needed win. But Millwall need a win even more at the moment. They're winless in 10 now. And this loss, Omar, kind of sums up how things are for Millwall at the moment, doesn't it? Because... Quite frankly, you got battered, didn't you? Very bleak. I mean, yeah, 3-0 after 24 minutes. I think it was three goals in the seven-minute spell yesterday. Very uncharacteristic of our side this season, especially since the route took over. So I think it's early warning signs. Well, obviously 10 without a win now, but it's early warning signs that things might need to be changed sooner rather than later. And But when I say that, it's just the stubbornness, I think, of the formation we're playing. We're doing this five-at-the-back formation, which I personally was a fan of, but... In recent weeks, I think you've started to see the players are starting to get frustrated with it as well. And the attitude just doesn't seem to be quite as spot on as it usually is for us. Mm. Three goals in your last 10 games. And I said in mid in midweek that Millwall are over-reliant on Jed Wallace. And when he doesn't play very well, Millwall don't play very well. And he's not played very well in a while now. So do you agree that Millwall are over-reliant on Jed Wallace? Because no one else looks like they're going to step up anytime soon, do they? Absolutely. I think um, we had Conor Mahoney kind of linchpinned as kind of our next kind of outlet compared to Jed's. And he's unfortunately picked up a knock in the last few games and he's not really featured. But even then, his consistency has not been the same level as Jed when he has played. And yeah, the reliance on Jed is like unknown, really. I think it's we rely on him too much. And it's a sense of if he doesn't show up, no one else in the team is like looking to grab the game by the scruff of the neck. It's unfortunate, but. Reality is, I think, due to like the nature of the games, just like how Tom's saying about Kiff or Moore picking up an injury and playing the amount of games he has, Jed is the only player that's think has played 90 minutes apart from two games now. So he's been subbed off twice all season. And you can just see, I think, it's just starting to have an effect on our players. Mm. How much pressure is Gary Rowett under now? Could he even be sacked? I don't think he'll get sacked because... We've never, I don't think we've really sacked Steve Lomas in our chairman's time, which was about six, seven years ago now. And we've, and Holloway was another one that was kind of unfortunate for us in the past. But I think we'll give him enough time because last season we overachieved in the sense that we nearly got playoffs. And I think with that, it came the expectancy from the fans this year that we'd be up there. Even myself, I feel like the championship, you've got the three or four big teams at the top that are running away with it, like you said earlier. But I feel like we could have been a team in the top six. So there is a bit of pressure on him to get it right. But I do think he needs to change up how he's playing at the moment, but there is a lot of pressure on him, I think, from a lot of fans at the moment. Mm. Justin for Borough, it's a massively uplifting performance. Marcus Tavernier got a lovely goal. Duncan Watmore's now got four goals from five shots. It was just a very good team performance, wasn't it? 
It was, and again, you know, echoing what I said about Swansea, you know, you go go down to Borough, it's going to be difficult difficult to break him down. Um, and I think that's a, well, I read on Twitter it's the first time that Borough have scored three in the opening um, thirty minutes of a game for forty years. So just to compound Omar's misery a little bit, it's not great. And um, Neil Warnock also said that Rudy um, Duncan Watmore scored more than Rudy Gusted, um in, in Rudy Gusted's time at Borough, which again. Um, you know, says a lot about Rudy Gestead. Um, but yeah, it's a massive win. It's a clean sheet as well, which is, has been needed for Borough. Yeah, absolutely. I've started a new thing on Twitter where we ask fans to sum up their team's performance in one word. Tom called it unreal, while Daniel called it gravy. Make of that what you will. Tom, Omar, thanks for now. We'll come back to you both a bit later on when we play Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. But me and Justin are now going to take you on a journey around the grounds. And we'll start off with Adams Park, where there was a big game near the bottom of the championship between Wickham and Coventry. It finished 2-1 to the Sky Blues. Liam Kelly getting both of them. He hadn't scored in 117 matches and then got two here. So fair play. But Wickham had a fair few chances and had a goal controversially disallowed for offside late on. Jerry Crone is from the Coventry podcast. Need Lamptey, do you think your side were a bit lucky yesterday, Jerry? I'm not sure I would say lucky. I thought we were the better team overall across the 90 minutes. Um, I thought we were unlucky to concede the penalty, even though that is the ninth that we've given away this season, seven in the league. Um, so we have form for it. But I think it was incredibly soft. I thought they they won it rather than uh, than it was an actual pen. Well, I guess they're the same thing. Um, but yeah, overall, <clears throat> especially once Harmer came on, yeah, we were much the better team. So I wouldn't say too lucky. Whatever the case, the Sky Blues are now unbeaten in seven, which is quite remarkable, really, when you consider what just last month we were saying Cov were looking like they're in a bit of a perilous position. What's changed in that month? What's amazing is that we could be talking about a seven-game unbeaten run where we looked bad last last month, which I guess is indicative of the pile-up of games in the Championship. The crucial thing that's changed for us in the last month is the quality of the opposition. Start of the season, we straight away had Bournemouth, Brentford, even Blackburn, who were good then. Now they've tailed off a little bit. Um, but recently we've played Derby, uh, Birmingham and then Wickham yesterday and a couple of the other teams at the bottom and we've really made a tactical shift towards just being very, very solid and much less adventurous. Two up front usually has made a big difference for us as well, albeit it was one up front yesterday to sort of mirror the system that we played against them last season when we beat them 4-1. But yeah, an overall shift towards tactical solidity and playing much worse opposition. No disrespect to the seven teams that we played, although obviously it's pretty inherently disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I get your point, Joey. Uh, well, this run of form has managed to create a bit of a gap between you and the teams in the bottom of the table. Uh, what's the aim now? Is it to literally just stay up still? Or do you reckon you can use this run of form as a bit of a platform towards greater things? Uh, no, can't see this being a platform, frankly. Um, I think I'm really happy with the position that we're in, but would still take 20th or whatever it would be to stay up this season. Um, and I also think that teams like Derby will, and probably even Forest, will just get better over the course of the season and probably over the fullness of the season overtake us. If we stay up this season, I'll be absolutely over the moon. Wow. Cheers, Jerry. Uh, Justin, what did you think of that? Jerry saying he'll be just happy for Coventry to stay up this season. Yeah. Yeah, you would be, wouldn't you? You know, it's it's just, it's quite simple. You, you know, you don't you don't count your chickens too early. They're on an incredible run of form at the moment, but you know, defensively they still do leak goals. But the beating teams around them, you know, likes of Wickham, Rotherham, um, Sheffield Wednesday, you know, the beating teams that are below them, they keep doing that. They will stay up, and you know, as Jerry said, just staying up is the, is the main aim, and then they can build on it because they've got a good young squad there. Um, that that can improve over time. So give them a couple of years and like a bit like Barnsley, they'll they'll just grow and grow and grow. I suppose Mark Robbins made the point as well yesterday that Coventry have one of the lowest budgets in the league. Yeah. So when you look at it from that perspective, staying up should just be the aim really. Going back to the game, the disallowed goal, Scott Cashkett ruled to be offside for Wickham. Uh, Gareth Ainsworth says he was clearly on. Your thoughts? Um I mean Wickham have been rifled this season with some bad decisions and it's just another one and as well as that I'm sure we'll go into a bit more detail later but officiating at this level has been the worst I've ever known it Justin Justin you're getting ahead of yourself you get I'm sorry yourself, I'm sorry we'll talk um, about it a bit later on but this decision I thought he actually was offside 
I will be honest. I thought his leg was just offside. But it, it's hard to tell, really. It's, it's not yeah. like in the Premier League where you've got cameras all over the place and mm-hmm. you can see right down the line. But we're basically doing it from the camera that's on the halfway line. And it's quite hard to tell, but I thought he was offside. Uh, Joe Jacobson scored a penalty for Wickham. And then as he went to pick up the ball, was booted by the Coventry keeper which was thoroughly enjoyable. As positive as ever, Gareth Ainsworth after the game said Wickham can stay up. I seem to ask you this every single week, Justin, but can they? There are times where I think they can, and there are times where they I, they don't. I mean, they've won two games this season. They've drawn five. It's okay for what they're doing, but you know, from Gareth, from, from Gareth Ainsworth's perspective, i just like him to be a little bit, I guess, meaner. You know, just drill into the players a little bit, um, and and say you know the position they're in, they they can do better. We've seen that they can do better. They can perform better. Um, and unfortunately, games like this against Coventry, that's when they've got to step up, and they haven't. With the championship starting to become a bit more spread out, as we were saying earlier in the show, I do fear Wickham might start to, to look like they're off the pace a bit more soon because uh, they draw a lot of games, don't they? They need to put some of them into wins mm-hmm. before they start getting cut adrift. Luton three. Preston nil. Once again, we just never know what Preston side is going to turn up to games, but it's just Luton's second win in eight games. Ian Robertson is from We Are Luton Town. And Ian, this was a very convincing performance, wasn't it? Yeah, we had a solid performance. Uh, great for three points, which is the main thing, but to score three goals and keep a clean sheet, that's what what we're ultimately looking for. Um, we looked a threat every time we went forward. We didn't really have any passengers in the game and our XG was 2.2 so it showed that we were front-footed yesterday um, and Preston really didn't have any answers to that. Yeah, James Collins got a hat-trick. I imagine amongst the Luton fans he's someone who's highly thought of but do you think outside of Luton he's someone who's quite underrated as a striker? I do think he's underrated. I think it's mainly down to the fact that he's at what you'd probably regard as an unfashionable club in Luton in the Championship. Um, if he was at the likes of you know Norwich or anywhere else, then it would be a different story, I think. Um, and I think that's, that's had an effect on his international appearances as well. Um, but definitely scores goals at every level he's been at, whether it be in the Cups and all the divisions. Yeah, it's funny you should mention Luton being an unfashionable club because I constantly see fans of other clubs saying, oh, we shouldn't be losing to teams like Luton, oh, we should be beating teams like Luton. And then Luton fans on social media go on to take the mickey out of them. Does it annoy you or do you actually quite enjoy being an underrated side? Three words we hear every weekend, teams like Luton. Um, doesn't bother us, don't think it bothers many of the fans just have a laugh about it really, but um, we do hear it most weekends apart from this one. I think Preston fans give us our just desserts. We beat them comfortably and they, they said that so much on social media, but um, I don't think it's got to do with being unfashionable. It's just uh, obviously we've, you know, not long ago we are in the conference and now we're 11th in the championship, so people don't expect us to be there, but Obviously, we've got a longer history than that, but it doesn't really bother us, not really. Yeah, it's just your second win in two games, uh, Ian, but you haven't really slid down the table too much. As you mentioned, you're still 11th, five points off the playoffs. Dare we suggest a playoff push this season? Some people will be looking at playoffs, but I think um, that might be a little bit of a push. I'll take mid-table obscurity any day, but more looking at the other end of the table where we're 13 points clear of the relegation zone. I think if we get three quarters of the way through the season and we're still in the same position, then start looking at it. But for now, it's just tallying up them points and getting ahead of the relegation zone, really. Cheers, Ian. He's not getting too carried away with Luton's lofty position. But this was a thoroughly efficient performance, wasn't it? It was. Uh, it really was. And it's uh, obviously a surprise given Preston's last win. You thought they'd build on it. But, uh, and obviously Luton have been on a, a bit of a bad run themselves. But it's, it was a great win. You know, James Collins, you know, what a man. He's, he's such a good striker at this level. And I said a couple of weeks ago that if he starts scoring more, then, then Luton can rise up the table. And this, this game was. He's such a good penalty area striker. I don't think he's ever scored outside the box either. A bit like Van Nistelrooy. I'm not comparing him to Van Nistelrooy, but. That level of uh, efficiency inside the box and you know lack of contribution goal-wise outside of it is, is what I'm getting at. Um, and he took all of his goals yesterday really well. And it, it, you know, uh, as well as that, I think he scored now. He's, he's now scored a hat trick in every division apart from the Premier League, obviously, which is great for him. I'm trying to work out in my head 
James van Nistelrooy. I'm st- I was trying to go like Rude van Collins Roy, but he doesn't really work in my no. It sounds better in my head than it actually does out loud. Uh, but Robert on Twitter, he's a Luton fan, called this result stupendous. Uh, but Preston, they they just make me angry because you genuinely can't predict how they're going to do in each game. It's either absolutely awful or absolutely brilliant. And this performance was right at the former end of the scale, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've made no notes for Preston. Um, I've just put um, a couple of words that are fairly expletive. I won't say anything uh, more than that. But we're seeing a theme. They will win 3-0, they'll lose 3-0, they'll be really good, they'll be really poor. Oh, it's it's really frustrating the inconsistency. And it doesn't help us because it's like, we want to talk about them, but we'll say some good things and then we'll say some bad things because that is literally how it's been over all season, really. Mm. Alex Neal said after the game, this was unacceptable, which is one way of putting it. A few other ways, turgid, rank, abhorrent. You got any words, Justin? Gross, minging, awful. Yeah, Preston fans on Twitter, Connor called it embarrassing. Uh, Preston home and away called it shite. Fair enough. I don't want this to take away from what was a really good performance by Luton, but Preston genuinely were terrible, weren't they? And there's got to be a reason why they're going from so bad to so good in the space of a few days. But I have no idea what it is. And I can't even begin to think what it is. There's just got to be some sort of reason for it. I I just don't know, Justin. It's unexplainable. It is unexplainable. (laughs) And Alex Neal must have a clue why this is happening. But they're not going to get anywhere, are they, unless they start having a bit of consistency mm-hmm. in any shape, way or form. Uh, speaking of turgid rank and abhorrent, Wednesday lost 2-1 to Barnsley, meaning they're still rock bottom of the championship. Dan Fudge is from the Wednesday Week podcast, and it wasn't a great performance, was it, Dan? It was an abject performance. Uh, you know, we managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, and the first time we've lost to Barnsley in a, in a number of years, obviously with it being a local derby as well, it stings a little bit more but as daft as it sounds as a Wednesday fan myself I I don't really care that it was Barnsley it's more that Tony Pulis you know somebody who I've not not been backwarding in coming forward about telling people that he's rubbish um, has now been in charge for seven games and still with no win I find it a very arrogant way of managing um, he's coming this is how I play football and you lot are going to play it and uh, we don't have the players for that. As I keep saying, we've got some great midfield in Barry Bannon and Izzy Brown, but um, we've just decided to kick it up over their heads to uh, to Callum Patterson, see if he can elbow a goal. Yeah, and the thing I always say about Tony Pulis is, sure, the football might not be very good, but you get results. And now, you're not getting results. So what's the point? Exactly that. We've now got a characterless manager managing disjointed players and there is no quality end product. If we were getting results, I wouldn't really care about the football. It's something that I've discussed on my show a lot. Um, But, you know, we're being robbed as football fans. You know, this is an entertainment business and none of us are being entertained. And then even if it was just, um, even if we were just eking out 1-0 wins, there would be a small amount of entertainment, you know, local bragging rights, champing up the league, things like that. Now, before before we pressed the Tony Pulis button, I thought we were in a false position because of the uh, the point deficit that we received at the start of the season. But we're not. We are real contenders for relegation. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, Dan. Um, and I hate to just agree with you, but you're spot on. When you were in the relegation zone earlier in the season with the points deduction, you probably didn't deserve to be there based on the performances. But now you look awful quite frankly and you look like relegation candidates can you see him getting any better anytime soon you're correct under Gary Monk you know every every fifth you know beating we'd get there would be a fun game in there there'd be a 3-1 or something like that but under Tony we we just haven't had that um I think the only way I see it getting better is that there is there needs to be a huge mass clear out the problem is is that and it's going to be the same at every club that's ever been managed by Tony Pulis uh we're going to release this guy we're going to get rid of that guy we're going to sell this guy he's going to fill it with what I refer to as Tony Pulis players 
you know, there's going to be six Callum Pattersons uh, up front, six Dominic Iorfas hoofing it to him, and people with neck ache in the middle. I know the numbers don't mac- uh, match up, but don't worry about that. And inevitably, in a year's time when Tony Pulis inevitably gets the sack, will leave us with just a load of dross sat on our payroll. Um, I really hope that Tony can turn it around, but, um, the, you know, the proof will be in the pudding come what may. Who'd have thought we'd be sat here pining over Gary Monk? Cheers, Dan. <laughs> Justin, another pitiful performance from Wednesday. It is. Um, and uh, you know what bugged me a little bit was that Pulis um, came out after and said that the squad isn't balanced. But like he's just said, uh, you could argue that Monk was getting a little bit more out of this side than Pulis was. Um, they, they they look to be going forward um, under Monk ab- ab- very, very slowly. Um, and they've just regressed massively under Pulis. But yeah, it's not a good performance. and It's a, it's a local derby as well. It's, it's not good. When he says the squad's not balanced, do you think he just means they haven't got a six foot seven striker up front? Do you reckon that's what he means? Yeah, and he, I, he, he's going to sign Ryan Shawcross, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> Get the lap back, get Higginbottom back, get the boys back, come on. Uh, it's not like they were getting any wins because things aren't going their way or they're just unlucky. They're just playing badly in each game. Mm-hmm. They've been distantly second best in every game since Tony Pulis has come in. And who have got when, who have Wednesday got in midweek, Justin? Forrest. Is wow. it possible for two teams to lose? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to go like that, isn't it? I, I, I have no idea how that game is going to go. It's, it could be awful. Uh, third win in four games now for Barnsley. They're loving life under Valerie and Ishmael at the moment. And they're now five points off the top six. And I'm sat here asking myself, Justin, Barnsley for the playoffs this season? <laughs> I mean, I mean, why not? Look at, look at a month ago. They were in the bottom three. Valerie and Ishmael has come in, shoved a rocket under the club. And they're flying. Why can't they go a step further? Since Ishmael's come in, only Norwich have picked up more points than them. In the whole of the championship, that is some turnaround. And everything just seems to have clicked into place. Corley Woodrow settles, banging them in for fun. Callum Britton and Callum Styles have been the best wing-backs in the championship this season. You've got Marat pulling strings in the middle. And then Helic and Anderson, solid at the back. If they were to get in the playoffs this season... It would be a massive achievement considering some of the budgets of the clubs in the top half of the championship this season. But the way things are going under Ishmael, you'd be a fool to rule them out. I completely agree. It's, you know, I got Peltis, um, I think it was last season, in the last season, where I suggested that Barnsley under Struber and the, the, you know, the current players that they've got can go on to be playoff contenders at some point in the future. Um, and, you know, Ish- Valerie and Ishmael's turning them into that. You know, I, I feared the worst when Struber left because they were winless. Um, you know, there was sort of internal arguments within the club at the ownership. There's a bit of discontent there, but you know, it all seems to have turned around. And that's that's, you know, you have to give some credit as well to to the upstairs guys. You know, the people at boardroom level because there's been um, a ridiculous amount of consistency with appointments, with transfers, with recruitment. It's been really, really good, and that's put them in the position they're in now. Um, and they're, they're growing. They're, they've got a young side, a very young side. You know, Callum Styles and Callum Britton, as you say, neither of them are over 22. They're going to fetch a big fee um, at some point in the future. Um, and you put them in the category of, you know, the Brentfords, for example, in terms of how they run, because it's, it's so consistent, it's so good, and you can only see it improving um, in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely spot on. A late wonder goal from Michael Elise gave Reading a 1-0 win over QPR. More on that in a sec, but for Rangers, it's one point from their last five games. And all of a sudden, they're sitting five points above the relegation zone. Charlie Wise is from the YouTube channel Talking Rangers. Charlie, you must be pretty disappointed with how things are going at the moment. Disappointment is a word that doesn't really touch the sides for QPR fans at the moment. Um, I think, to be honest, we were definitely the better side. The first half, we completely dominated Reading. Um, I mean, we even had a, we had a good few chances, but it's QPR. Um, there's no shocker in that we didn't take them, we didn't punish them. And it's just sort of a resounding theme with our form at the moment. Um, disappointing. I mean, we hit the post late in the second half, but the second half performance wasn't good enough. I think QPR fans at the moment really have had enough. It's not even the patience is wearing thin. I think the patience has run out. I'm still a bit undecided, um, but at the moment, it's something has got to change. It's just not good enough. It's very bleak being a QPR fan at the moment. 
Yeah, one point from your last six games and it's seeing you slide closer and closer to the relegation zone. Are you worried about going down this season? Look, if you'd have asked me a couple of games ago, I'd have completely disregarded you and said no. But anything's possible in the championship. And when you get on a bad run of form, it doesn't really seem to to end too kindly. Um, we Simple as that, we can't score goals at the moment. How can you win football matches or get anything for football matches if you can't score goals? Yeah, it's nice that we play this fancy style of football, but it's a results-driven business. Uh, Warburton is simply not getting the results at the moment. And if this continues, then, you know, this downward spiral could continue and we could be looking down this season instead of, you know, where we're going to be placed in the table upwards. So, um, yeah, I think I think it is a real threat. So, like I say, um, something drastic has got something drastic has got to change. Warburton's got to try and play to play his strengths better or Warburton has simply got to leave the club. You mentioned Warburton. Do you think he's got to go? And what do QPR fans in general think? For me, it's a tough one, but I ran a poll last night on my Twitter and Instagram and about 70% of QPR fans are Warburton out. I'm struck. Um, I didn't want to make a decision last night. I thought I let my head cool down and I reassessed the situation in the morning. <laughs> the current points per game at the moment is diabolical and we just don't look like we're going to win. But I try and factor in um, you know, the, the cards he's been dealt this season. Um, the players we lost last year. I'm not sure I can fathom this 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 lack of backbone in our side. Um, we just don't create enough chances. We don't score enough goals. Um, our style of play is, is simply too predictable. And I think teams are really just letting us sit back and do our thing. And um, I think a couple more results like that, and I think I am truly in the Warburton out camp. But I just really struggle to think who's going to come in and improve us. Cheers, Charlie. I felt a bit sorry for him there. He sounds very down about how things are going for Rangers at the moment. But Mark Warburton's under massive pressure, isn't he, Justin? What do you think? Is it time for change? Um, I think so. You know, <coughs> you just you have to start asking questions because, you know, Warburton's not getting anything out of this side now. You know, after what was a, a bit of a mini transition, you know, key players left in the summer. They brought in a number of players as well. Um, and, I, and I said as well that QPR for a QPR a team for me that are going to improve over time, but they've regressed. They've got worse, and they haven't improved. It's as simple as that. Um, and and like you said in previous podcasts, they they aren't learning from their mistakes, especially from last season and again from this season. Uh, and that comes down to the level of coaching. Is it good enough? At the minute, it's probably it probably isn't a change needed. Maybe um, you know it's not a bad time to do it because there are some really talented coaches at QPR's level that are available. I think the thing is. This QPR side is actually quite good. Yeah. There are some good players in there and they should be doing a lot better. I'd be very surprised if they went down this season um, <laughs> unless things really go wrong for them. I don't know how they could, but with this squad, they should be all right. Reading fan Matt on Twitter called the performance workmanlike. I think Reading were very lucky here. I'm not sure there's much dispute in that. It was similar to how Reading were earlier in the season when they won despite creating very little. But in fairness, they were missing Yaku Mete, Lucas Xiao. You take those two out the side, Reading aren't nearly as strong. But the man who ran away with the headlines was Michael Elise on his 19th birthday, scoring a beautiful goal. I love the guy, Justin. I really do. I was ranting and raving about him last week, so I won't do it again, even though I really want to. <laughs> but the interesting thing here was that he didn't start the game. Velko Panovic has been very vocal about Elise not getting carried away and maybe it's something to do with that. But Elise didn't really celebrate his goal and after the game didn't seem too happy, which I suppose is a good thing because you want him to be desperate to play and become the best player he can be. And I don't think there's anything wrong with him being unhappy with the manager not starting him. You want a player like him to have a bit of arrogance about him and it's one of the reasons why he's caught the eye so far and has got a big future ahead of him. Yeah, that's that's really good management from Panovic. Um you see from time, you know, time and time again. Lou Sibley, for example, last season, you know, took the league, took the restart by storm, scored a hat trick against Millwall. Um and then he was it was almost he was played every game after that and he's faded now. Um but, you know, young players, you've got to make them hungry, you've got to make them work for it. And Panovic not dropping him, but starting from the bench, it's, it's going to get that reaction. And look what he did. He, he put one in the top corner, um, you know, possibly out of uh, anger, 
you know all the best players all the best players have that edge of arrogance that that ego um you know and i, I like to see it in 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 number 10s you know the good number 10s have all had it um and elise i think has the potential to be really really <laughs> Too many reallys. Too many reallys. Really, really good. Um, really, 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 really good. Yeah, I could I could spend the next 40 minutes of this podcast saying really, 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 really good. Um, he's too good for this level, even at his ability now, but you've got to manage him. And Panovic, you know, props to him. Really good. Can we actually get a podcast of you just saying really, 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 really good? Well, um, you know those YouTube, like, 24-hour things? Yes. We'll do that. We'll get you doing that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's never a bad thing for a player to have a point to prove, is it? Because it means mm-hmm. they go out there and well, they put in that extra 1%, don't they, to prove people wrong at the end of the day. Right, Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about wins for Rotherham, Bournemouth and Norwich. Are you struggling for present ideas this Christmas? Have you thought about getting a Dortmund shirt for your dad? What about some Barcelona shorts for your brother? Or maybe even a Lazio jumper for that special someone in your life? Classic Football Shirts is everything you need for any football mad people you're buying for this Christmas. Whether it's a Blackburn shirt from 2007 or even Middlesbrough themed loungewear, whoever they support, they'll have something for their club. Have a look for yourself at classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Justin, during the break, you were just telling me your game this morning. Your referee turned up and then disappeared. Yes, there's there's a lot more to it. Um, so yeah, turned up, got changed outside, COVID. Um, got changed and um, the ref was there, spoke to both the managers, checked the card, everything was normal and then he disappeared. Just gone. Gone. No one Vanished. saw him again. No one so saw what, him again. Who, so who ref the match? Um, our manager. Um, we, we, our kickoff was delayed for 20 minutes and if, if anyone was around the Midlands it was torrential rain and wind it was about 3 degrees, it was horrible I assume he just didn't want a referee in those conditions it, they were awful it. yeah, fair enough um, <laughs> it's so Sunday league it's amazing uh, there was a bit of a shock at the New York Stadium Bristol City with the third best away record in the league were beaten 2-0 by Rotherham who had picked up one point for the last six uh, Jack Dawson's from the Bristol City podcast BS3 Talk and Jack the worst thing about this result is that it was a fairly dreadful performance as well wasn't it? We were absolutely awful to be honest I think it's been coming we've put in a string of poor performances now bar against Blackburn in midweek where we created chances I think we created a few chances with a better team in that one I think on most cases we've been the weaker team I think we've got lucky in some games I'm not sure what the stats are in terms of our shots on target and chances created, but I know there was a run of games where we had 13 shots on target in six games, and particularly at Ashton Gate, we've always been almost carried by our waveform. And yesterday I was almost confident of a win because normally we're so good away from home, but there was none of that spirit togetherness that we usually see on the road, and that is ultimately what cost us. It was poor defending, and once again, we can't create chances. We've got some, we've got good finishers in front of goal, Chris Martin, Nicky Wells. We know if we give them chances, they will score. We just can't create those chances. We're missing Jane Patterson a lot, and we're missing a dynamic flair player, a creative player. We don't have one at the minute. Whilst Adam Nash, Tariq Backinson, and Callum O'Dowd are good industrial players, they don't create chances for those strikers that we've got, unfortunately. Yeah, we were saying in our midweek episode that Bristol City have been seriously hampered by injuries. Jamie Patterson, for example, was one of your best players at the start of the season, but has been missing for quite some time now. How badly do you need to bring in a creative player in the window? Over the past few years, we've always seemed to be a solid but unspectacular championship team. And I think what's really holding us back from that top six, that top two, is a player like Emi Buendia, like Saeed Rama and Abereze last season, like Jed Wallace, someone who's going to get you know, around 10 goals, around 10 assists, that creative player. Because at the minute, our midfield defence is so separated from our attack. There's such a big gap there. And that is a gap that Jamie Patterson would be playing in. I think even if you look into someone like Liam Walsh, who was brilliant at League One last year with Coventry, a Joe Williams, someone that can carry the ball so well. That is the kind of player we're missing, a link play between the attack and defence. And in truth, I don't think we've ever, I don't think we've ever replaced Bobby Reid. His pressing, his energy, he'd always pull the defenders out of positions and then the wide players could run in behind. We're missing that player to create space because whilst Wells and Martin are good players, good finishers, they're quite static. We miss that energetic live wire up front and someone to get the fans off their seat ultimately because that's what we're missing. We're, play- we're playing a 4-3-3 with one natural winger in the squad who's playing in midfield. So it doesn't really make sense, but I think in January we do need to add, particularly going forward. 
or you have dropped out of the playoffs now, albeit only just. What do you think? Do you think you'll be able to keep pace with the teams that are up there? Well, Dean Holden's referenced this a lot, and I think it, he said how it is all about keeping in touch with the top six, the top two, until we get some players back from injury. Because at the minute, you, I look at our defence, Nathan Baker, Alfie Mawson, Jada Silva, Stephen Sessignon, all missing through injury. And even in midfield, Jimmy Patterson, who we've missed so badly. Joe Williams, we've yet to see any anything of really. Liam Walsh and Andy Vyman, whose energy we're desperately missing. I think whilst the squad on the whole is good, which is why we're kind of still up there, because I think some players like Adam Nash in particular really stepped up whilst we've had so many injuries, they've really taken the opportunity. It is still a big ask to keep up with teams like Norwich and Watford and Bournemouth, the relegated teams at the top of the league, who have so much strength and depth and so much quality. So I think playoffs, I think we can still get playoffs, don't get me wrong, once we get all these players back, we yet to see really our full strength team in action, I don't feel, which has been a bit of a shame, but I know most championship clubs are in the same boat regarding injuries because of how busy the schedule is. But I think if we're still there come the end of January, we're still there come the end of this busy run, we get some players back, I don't see why not, why playoffs can't be on really, but I think top two, yeah, that's a stretch for me. Nice one. Cheers, Jack. Very disappointed for Bristol City, but for Rotherham, what a performance. There's someone who will put in a poor performance after poor performance and then pull something out of the bag like they did here. It, it was great. It was it was a collective performance from the team and, you know, the amount of shots that were taken from Rotherham, they eight shots on target. Daniel Bentley was incredibly busy and he's he'd been fairly busy all season, but yeah, what a, what a way to bounce back after what has been a poor run of form for Rotherham and some really bad displays. It's a clean sheet as well. You know, I mentioned midweek that it's been mistake after mistake for, for the back four at times, giving away a lot of penalties, um, you know, a couple of sending off as well, and obviously mistakes that have led to goals. Um, but they shut out a, a very good Bristol City side, um, you know, and, and as I said, they were really good going forward, really exciting to watch, and it's games like this they need to build on. They really need to build on it and get a run of form together because they're in a mini-league at the moment at the bottom of the table yeah you mentioned building upon it only once this season have they managed to not lose after getting a draw or win so that's good news for their opponents Blackburn in midweek it's an issue for Rotherham though isn't it it might just keep you up but things would be a lot more comfortable if you manage to string a couple of wins together every so often rather than just winning once every couple Mm -hmm. of weeks let's go to the Vitality Stadium where Bournemouth gave Huddersfield a right old spanking 5-0 it finished including a brace from Dominic Solanke, who is now looking deadly up top for the Cherries, isn't he? I told you. I told you. It's going to be a golden <laughs> boot season, maybe. Um, yeah, no, they, 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 were, they were brilliant. And, and Dominic Solanke deserves so much props because he's been such an all-round number nine who's got other players into the game. You know, he obviously bagged two, two really good finishes, two really good runs um, in and around the defenders. Uh, and then as well as that, the, the the assist for David Brooks, where he collects the ball with his back to goal, lays it off nicely and Brooks just finishes, was, was fantastic. And, you know, he's now got eight for the season. Um, and as I said, he, he, he's, he's contributing all over the pitch. He's a very good back to goal, number nine. Um, and as well as that, he's showing that he can finish. He just needs that I wouldn't say confidence, but he needed the runner games. He needed some goals, and as well as that, he's, he's contributing to other, other other areas of the play. What a player he's turning into! Yeah, but there was a reason why Chelsea and Liverpool both wanted him, and why Bournemouth paid so much money for him. There's clearly a good player there. Mm-hmm. It was just making making it happen, really, and getting the player out of him. And I think getting relegated to the Championship was weirdly probably the best thing that could have happened to his career. Because now he's managing to build that confidence and really show how talented he is. Uh, Junior Stanislas scored a wonder goal, nearly as good as Jamal Lowe's. But I'd say the only thing letting him down is Huddersfield's defending wasn't the most convincing. (laughs) Um, But he came from the halfway line, so fair play to him. But either way, a truly remarkable performance from Bournemouth. Could have scored more as well. They were in top gear. And that's why I still think they are the side most likely to be going up this season. The likes of Norwich, Watford, Brentford, they've been picking up results but haven't necessarily entered top gear yet. Jason Tindall's managed to find Bournemouth's top gear a number of times this season now and they look bloody good when they do it. It makes you wonder how they got relegated and how they've kept hold of some of these players because I tell you what, every single player in that side on Saturday should be playing in the Premier League. And I don't think you can say that about any other team in the Championship. And even when you ignore that starting eleven, you've still got the likes of Dan Juma, Mepham, Rico, Stacey. They weren't involved and they've still got to come back in. It's ridiculous. I'll be amazed if Bournemouth aren't promoted this season, Justin. I really would. In the new year, I think they'll be the ones setting the pace 
because they're just too bloody good at this <laughs> level for some of the teams here. Uh, quickly on Huddersfield, a bit surprised they got spanked as badly as they did, but at the end of the day, Bournemouth were just a lot better. Yeah, the, as you pointed out, the defending was really poor from them. Um, you know, there are times. You know, actually, you know, this is why I've said in the past that they do need some investment. Um, they'd be they'd be a good side, and the, th- the first place I would strengthen is a ball playing defender because I don't think any of that back three Stearman, Schindler, Saar. I don't think they're natural ball playing centre halves. Um, and obviously, if there's anybody else who stepped in, I don't think they have that um, a, a ability of playing in, in, in the squad. Yeah. He's, he's building something in C. Carlos Corbran. It's yeah. a very good start to the project that's going on there. But Norwich is still top after beating Blackburn 2-1. Timu Puki grabbing both of Norwich's goals. What a game this was. Not too surprising because both sides love having a pop at goal. <laughs> uh, I'm still wrestling with the idea in my head that Norwich are a fortunate side. I don't want to say lucky, but fortunate, I think, is definitely the case. They've won 10 of their 11 games this season by one goal. So they're definitely not blowing teams away. And so often it's something, they win by something like deflecting off Timo Pukki's leg like it did here. <laughs> I suppose you make your own look, but I won't be backing them to stay in the top two, put it that way. I think Bournemouth will overtake them, definitely. The main issue is, I'm not sure who will take them out of the top two, because there aren't many teams who are consistently picking up results. Maybe Swansea, I don't know. I'm pretty certain, though, in other championship seasons, this Norwich side will not go up. If they go in their current state to the championship from last season when you had like Leeds, West Brom, Fulham, they'd be behind all those teams. The top two are picking off teams each week, just picking them apart, while Norwich are frequently scraping past them. So unless someone else manages to pick up form and consistently gets that form going, then I think if a team does that, then Norwich would fall out of the top two. What do you think? It's an interesting bait. I don't... I don't... Um, I've never liked the idea of a team being lucky in the championship because, you know, Norwich are they're in the top two, and as we've pointed out um, in previous weeks, pretty much all season, they haven't really got into a, a gear yet. That is that we know that is that is good for Norwich, but you know, player for player, they're probably not as good as Norwich. Uh, sorry, not as good as Bournemouth, um, and maybe even Watford. But what they've got there is continuity, style of play, grit, um, and as well, they've got a striker in, Puk- uh, in Puki that is. That he's just too good at this level, you know. Perhaps he's one of those strikers that he's too good at this level, not quite good enough for the Premier League. But you know, he's played 100 games, he's got 40, 40 goals. It's a ridiculous record, and then obviously he's had a long Byron spell as well. So if you've got players like that in your in your uh, in your team, you're always going to have, you know, players going to put away chances, and you present those players with chances, they're going to take them. He's that sort of striker, and that's why for me Norwich are running up the table. Um, that's why they're staying there as well. I disagree. But I respect your opinion, Justin. Mm. Uh, Blackburn fan Dave on Twitter called the results saddening, which is quite sad. But they're still struggling for the results, aren't they, Blackburn, against the better sides? As mentioned in midweek, they haven't won against the top half team this season. It's a very talented side who I've bigged up plenty of times. And ultimately, they're just letting themselves down, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's, it's a really interesting um, run of um, form against the top half teams, you know, does does Mowbray have to tweak it slightly to get the best out of his team to um, perform against those teams in the top half? Potentially, um, you can't you can't um, you know maintain a style of play all the time. But then again, you don't have that opportunity this season because the games are just week in week out, Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday. It's just relentless as 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 pointed out. Um, and you know, coming into this game, perhaps they're running out of steam as well. Um, they've played against three good sides. It's been a tough week. Let's not overlook that. You know, it's it's. But the form has got to improve against the top half if they have any aspirations of even finishing in the top six. Well, yeah, as you say, they, they've had, they've faced three tough sides. But if they want to be face, if they want to get in the top six, then they've got to be at least getting results against one of those top six, yeah. one of those top sides. Because otherwise, it's just not going to happen. And the players they've got, it should be happening. But someone who didn't let themselves down in this game was Harvey Elliott, who scored. A wonderful solo goal. Not sure if we mentioned this before, Justin, but he's still only 17. Doesn't turn 18 until April. I watched his goal in amazement and just refused to believe he's still so young. And the thing is, it's not just the odd moment like this. Since coming into the side, he's been remarkable. Even though results haven't necessarily been going Blackburn's way, in midweek against Bristol City, he played about three or four passes that, if Andrea Perlo did them, 
everyone on social media <laughs> would be losing their minds. And this kid is the youngest player of the championship, or at least definitely the youngest one to play week in, week out. In the second tier right now, we are watching one of England's future best players. Maybe even one of the future best players in the world. A 17-year-old, he's doing what he's doing against arguably a Premier League side. Don't Let's not forget. It's just mind-blowing. And what Blackburn needs to do is just make the most of having this unbelievable talent in their team because he's setting up chances and he's even scoring goals now as well. The rest of the team is just not pulling his weight at the moment. Right, we've got three games left, Justin. We'll try and rattle through these. Forrest's abysmal form continued with a 3-1 loss to Brentford. A good all-round win for the Bees. It was, it was, and it was, it was needed after. Um, I wouldn't say a, a, a tough week, but certainly a week where things could have been better. You know, two draws on the trot, um, but you know, it's, it's a good week. Uh, and as well as that, it's um, they've got other players scoring. I think Tony got the third, didn't he? Um, yeah. You know, and by the by the third goal, you know, you're running away with it. You're winning already. Shows you that they don't have to rely on Ivan Tony. You know, completely. Josh Silva's goal was brilliant. You know, he sends Cafu. Um, you know, away and, and took it really well but it was a relatively straightforward display for Brentford which is damning for Forrest. Yeah, I really enjoyed Ivan Tony's goal. For anyone who hasn't seen it it basically got lumped up the pitch Tony's one-on-one with the keeper it's not even bounced by this point by the way and as it bounces he's managed to guide in it doesn't look like it but that is bloody hard to do. Mm. I massively appreciate it. In his last 16 games there's only been three where Ivan Tony hasn't contributed to a goal. Not good he's- enough. it's beyond staggering at this point Brentford are now up to 6th Forest fan Kieran on Twitter called this an Omni Shambles which is one way of putting it Mm. Forest have one point from the last 7 games what more can we say at this point it's obviously terrible the only thing I'm surprised about now is that they're not in the bottom 3 it's just shameful that the club is where it is it's right um, some, some some things have really bugged me on social this week is that people are calling for Chris Hewton's head. This isn't Chris Hewton. Um, it's decisions upstairs that have led to this. You know, the club has failed Ita Karanka and Sabri Lamushi in the past. Um, and what I found really interesting was that Joe Worrell said after the game that they're teammates but not friends outside of the game. Um, and that for me says it all. You know, it's a it's a group that's in a, rele- a relegation fight. The sooner they can trim the squad and make a um, you know a, a cohesive group of pals, you know in the trenches, all that jazz. Um, you know, you bring players in to fit that group, the better they're going to be. They need to reset as soon as possible. Just literally press... I'd put everybody up for transfer. Literally everybody. Wow. They've got, you know, 69 players over three years have come into the club. It's just not sustainable. It's not It's not settling at all. And for me, it's not Chris Hewton or Sabri Lamusha that's done this. That's done this. It's upstairs. They need to... It needs to be looked at. Um, and it needs to be scrutinised. Simple as that. Teammates, but not friends. It's like me and you, Justin. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Uh, uh, What are we doing? Um, Right, last two games, Justin. Dodgy decisions in both. Birmingham nil, Watford won. Troy Deeney scoring a penalty against his boyhood club. (laughs) Was it a penalty? Um... Yes, it was. It was a poor decision from Pedersen for me. I did think it was. I thought he just got the ball. But there I... you go. Uh, Derby <laughs> nil, Stoke nil. Lee Buchanan went down in the box, but a penalty wasn't given. Instead, the referee gave a drop ball for some reason. Was it a penalty? Uh, I think this one was a penalty. I wasn't sure it was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a debate, guys. Here's a debate. There you go. Uh, right, it's time for Who Knows Wins. This is our league where you can win money from correctly predicting the results of championship games. It's really easy to do. Just download the Who Knows Wins app, join our league, guess the most correct results out of all the games in the championship. The more people involved, the bigger the prize. The win pot this weekend was £204. And we had two winners this week. Titch Ramage and Morgan R94. Well done to you both. They got nine correct results out of 12, which is not bad going at all. Justin, you got seven. I got five. Some very tricky results this weekend. So fair play to anyone who did better than us. Uh, We've got midweek games. So make sure you join our midweek league before the deadline at Tuesday at half five. That's half five, everyone. It's an early one. Get involved for your chance to win some big money. Justin, let's make our predictions. First off, QPR Stoke. Stoke. Stoke Mm. for me. I'm going to go Stoke. Mm. Barnsley Preston. 
Um, Barnsley. Oh, I don't I mean, know. Barnsley. Who, who bloody knows <laughs> with Preston anymore? I'll go Barnsley. Forest Wednesday. Oh, my God. Draw. Double loss. <laughs> uh, I'll go Wednesday. I fancy a shit house there from Pulis. Bournemouth Wickham. Bournemouth. Yeah, Bournemouth straightforward that one. Bristol Millwall. Draw. Mm, Bristol City for me. Watford Brentford. Ooh, I'm going to go Brentford. I'll go draw. Derby Swansea. Mm, Swansea. I'll go draw. Borough Luton. Um, I'm going to go Borough. I'll go Luton. Cardiff mm. Blues. Um, I'm going to go Cardiff. Is Cardiff Blues a rugby team? It is, isn't it? Um, Cardiff Birmingham. I'll go Cardiff. Blackburn Rotherham. Uh, I'm going to go draw. I'll go Blackburn. Coventry Huddersfield. I'm going to go Coventry. I'll go Huddersfield. Reading Norwich. Uh, I'm going to go draw. I'll go draw as well. So that's Who Knows Wins. Make sure you join our league to win some big prizes. We've seen loads of you saying you're really enjoying it. It gives you a bit of interest in championship games you might not have necessarily been too interested in. And you can win some money along the way. So if you haven't downloaded the app yet, the app yet why not? There's a link to it in the description of this episode or search for Who Knows Wins in the App Store or Google Store or wherever it's called. Now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And according to multiple reports this week, championship clubs are demanding a meeting with the head of referees over the poor standard of officiating this season. The complaints are ranging from blatant mistakes to concerns over fitness. Now, Justin, I imagine you've got some sort of massive rant ready on this. Mm -hmm. First off, I'll just say two things on this. One, I'm not surprised because the officiating recently has been particularly poor. I'm thinking of the Reading Chef Wednesday game. Uh, in When was that? It was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. There were three or four penalties not given. The Luton-Blackburn match was the same. I think that might have been on the same day. Harley Dean's red card in midweek. That was clearly not a red card or a penalty. And when we say this, listener, we're not talking about decisions. You could argue either way. We're talking stonewall, blatantly wrong decisions. The thing I am surprised about is that it's only happening now because the standard of officiating at this level has been bad for a long time. Justin, what do you think? It's been a, a slow decline and now I feel like it's hit a rock bottom. The, uh, the one I saw yesterday was obviously the Derby one with Buchanan. Okay, contentious whether or not it was a penalty, but the referee gives a drop ball. Yeah. You know, He blows his whistle straight away, very quick to blow his whistle, and then immediately thrusts his arms to say no, and then there's a pause for about 40 seconds and then he gives a drop ball. It's either a penalty or you're booking Buchanan and sending him off for a dive because he was already booked at that point. Bizarre. Utterly bizarre. And there are weeks that are going by where there are three or four incidents um, each game week. That's sadly true. So each game week um, where, you know, we're talking about decisions that haven't gone, that that haven't been right, that have been badly incorrect. You mentioned the Reading Sheffield Wednesday game. That was a disgrace. Ollie Langford, who was referee at that game, was a referee again the week after who does another contentious decision. You know, these referees aren't being, I wouldn't say punished, they're not being, um, I would say, dropped or taken out of a game week just to, you know, re- refresh, I guess. Um, and, I, and I get that it's hard for them because they're also in the same schedule as the players. It is relentless, it is difficult, but you've got to ask questions upstairs. And I think it's Martin Riley, isn't it, who's the head of Mike the refereeing? Riley. Mike Riley, who's the head of the refereeing in the UK. And he's had questions faced him for a long time the VAR in the Premier League for example and the rules etc it's never been this bad across the UK across all pyramids and um, you know and as well as that our referee didn't turn up this morning either so that fuels it <laughs> even more that's why he's so annoyed later because of this morning uh, in other news David Brooks has won the Championship Player of the Month award for November Watford boss Vladimir Ivic won Manager of the Month surprised David Brooks won Player of the Month I just thought there were other players. I mean, he's been very good, but I just thought there were other players who were much mm. better than him. Uh, the EFL has appointed experienced football administrator Trevor Birch as its new chief exec. The 62-year-old who became director of football operations at Spurs in September will begin his new role <laughs> in the new year. He was also chairman at Swansea until, until a couple of years ago, and he's also been in charge of 
the administrations at quite a few uh, mm-hmm. other clubs as well. Uh, injury news, Huddersfield forward Josh Karoma is going to be out for up to three months with a hamstring injury. Such terrible news because as regulars will know, we've been harping about on about him loads recently. Mm-hmm. He's been a massive part of Huddersfield's recovery from a terrible last season, hasn't he? Yeah, I shed a tear a little bit. Um, and I don't think that's why they lost 5-0 against Bournemouth, but not having your main man certainly does crush your confidence a little bit going forward. Yeah, massively. In other injury news, Dominic Iorfa Wednesday, he's out for the season now after rupturing his Achilles, which is really bad news because Wednesday are desperate for a decent centre-back at the moment. Uh, let's do some polls, Justin. So at the start of the show on our Twitter, we gave the listeners three questions that we wanted to get their thoughts on. If you want to get involved, it's at Second Tier Pod on Twitter. The first question was, this is a tough one. Who will end up having a better career, Harvey Elliott or Michael Elise? Justin, I can tell you this is very close. Which one would you go for? I'm actually going to say Michael Elise. I think Liverpool have done that thing with that with Harry Wilson who's going to lower him out and sell him with Harvey Elliott. I think both of them are exceptional talents and I think they'll both be <laughs> unbelievable players at their peak. Harvey Elliott got 53%, Michael Elise got 47%. Uh, which manager is the most likely to be sacked out of the following? Chris Hewton, Tony Pulis, Gary Rowett, Mark Warburton. Which one would you go for? Sort of, you know, the head says, or the heart says Warburton, but the head says Forrest get rid of their managers like anything. So it could be Hewton, but Warburton for me. Well, Warburton's got 30%, Hewton's second on 27%, Rowett's got 25%, and Pulis is quite far back on 18%. Uh, and finally, who wins in a fight? Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury? Um, I don't know. Tyson Fury. Did you watch the fight last night? No, Sorry. it wasn't very. It wasn't very impressive from Anthony Joshua. I've been saying for ages. Tyson Fury would knock his block off. <laughs> um, Tyson Fury got sixty nine percent. Anthony Joshua got thirty one percent. So people agree with me, right? Now it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson here. So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show, Tom Phillips from the Cardiff podcast, View from the Ninian, and Omar Renain from That Millwall podcast. Guys, you've both played this before, and you both won. Are you both confident of carrying on your success at Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight? I mean, if my form's took a nosedive like Millwall's, I mean, we'll see. We'll have to have a look. <laughs> <laughs> I need this. I really need this after yesterday. <laughs> So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject and all they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say name the eight clubs Harry Redknapp's managed and Justin would say Spurs, that's one down and Omar would say Portsmouth, that's another down. But if Tom were to say Ostersons, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, gents, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. Now, with it being the South Wales derby this weekend... It would only be fitting we do a Hateful Eight based off the great nation. Can you name me the eight most capped Welsh players who are still playing? For clarity, we're not counting players who don't have a club but haven't officially retired. So that rules out Ashley Williams and Andy King. And I'm also going to give you Joe Ledley because he's playing in Australia. And I don't think you would have ever got that in a million years. So you've got eight to go. Boys, we'll start off with Justin. Justin, can you name me one of the most capped Welsh players who are still playing? Can we, can we not start with Tom? <laughs> okay, we'll start. We'll start with Tom. Start with Tom. Just give me the easy one. <laughs> um, okay, Chris Gunter. Chris Gunter. He is the most capped Welsh player who is still playing. Ninety-nine caps, and he's currently at Charlton. Omar. Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale, yep, yeah, 87 Phew. caps. Uh, Justin. Wayne Hennessy. Wayne Hennessy, yes, you've named the three most capped Welsh players. Uh, Wayne Hennessy's got 94 caps. Right, now there's a big drop in <laughs> the number of caps from those players to these. So, Tom, it's you again. Can you name another one, please? Aaron Ramsey. Yep, yeah, 61 caps for old Ramdog. Omar. And Davies. Ben Davis, yes, 58 Oof. caps. There's three left. Justin, can you name another one for me, please? Neil Taylor. Neil Taylor is two caps short. 
So you are out, unfortunately. <sighs> There's still three left. Tom is breathing a massive sigh. Has he got an answer? I hope so. Joe Allen. Joe Allen has got 56 caps, so you're correct there. There's two left. They're both a bit tricky. Omar, can you name one of the players who's most capped for Wales and is still playing? It's a pun. It's going to be Sam Vokes. Sam Vokes is correct. He's got Ooh. 64 caps. Oh, great <laughs> shout. shout. <laughs> Massive shout that I did not. I thought that would be the one that would catch you both out. <laughs> right. There's one left. He's got 45 caps, if that helps. Not sure if it does, but there you go. Tom, can you name me the final Welsh player who's still playing? I'll never live this down if I don't get it. <laughs> imagine, imagine if Omar gets it and Tom does <laughs> I, it. I hope he does. <laughs> I'll take it. Oh, no. Still playing. Oh, he's not got 45 caps. Oh, this is absolutely killing me. Go on, who, who are you going to say? Just say it. Uh, go for it. Oh, no. Hal robson Carno. Oh, I think it's in the 30s. Hal robson Carno has got 45 caps. Oh, You're absolutely right. <laughs> well oh, done. I've got oh, James right. Chester, so I'm happy you said that. James Chester oh. is 10 caps short. Oh, but <laughs> massive shout, massive effort from the two of you. Justin, you've let your side down, but they've managed to pull you through. How do you feel? Uh, well, I'm delighted, obviously, that we get the win, but, <laughs> you know, that was a tough one this week. <laughs> are, you a, are you a quarter Welsh as well? Yeah, my nan is Welsh. And you <laughs> failed on this. How do, that's just disgraceful. I'm just, think, to, I'm just thinking, chaps, I've come on twice now. I think next time's got to be something mill related. I'm just kind of thinking it <laughs> yeah. out here, right? Yeah. I've yeah. Lee cab, and now I've had the Wales caps and all that. So I think, you know, it's an FYI. <laughs> I remember that next time. We'll make it completely mill centric. <laughs> Lovely chaps. Thank you for your time today. Tom Phillips from View from the Ninian. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Omar Redain from That Mill Podcast. Thank you for your time today. My pleasure. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday for another midweek roundup of the games. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.